welcome to the Excuse My African podcast. My name is Stella Damasis and I am your host. Join me as I take you on a journey through the eyes of a misrepresented and misunderstood African girl abroad. In this episode, I will talk about the reality of COVID-19. Now, we all know that uh, this whole pandemic, this whole virus, this coronavirus has affected the whole world. Like when I say the whole world, I mean the whole world, okay? It started in China and then it started spreading all over the world. And as of today, we are hearing on the news that the United States of America has become the number two country in the world after China as regards affected people and deaths. That's that's really scary because we know that whatever whatever happens to America affects the whole world directly. Now, I also saw a documentary um, of how the Chinese people dealt with this COVID-19. When it started, uh, I think they said it started in a place called Wuhan. And the moment they noticed that it started from that place, they decided to um, cut out that area. They decided to um, quarantine everyone in that area. This is not social distancing. They didn't do social distancing. They actually quarantined everyone. So people in Wuhan couldn't come out and other people couldn't get into Wuhan just so that they could monitor what was going on. And what they also did was they got all their doctors, all their nurses, they got volunteers as well. And they went from house to house, as crazy as that sounds. They actually went from house to house to take temperatures of everyone and to test them, regardless of your symptoms. They didn't care whether you had the symptoms or not. They just went from house to house. And they discovered a lot of people that didn't even have the faintest idea that they had um, the virus. So they started taking them straight to the hospital. And they also started uh, manufacturing about, I think they said 30. 5,000 masks every day. They got people to deliver food. Um, They got people to wear gears and all of that. And whilst they were doing all of this, they were building hospitals. A hospital was built in two weeks in China. When I say built, it wasn't just the structure or the building. It was equipped within two weeks. They had beds, they had their facilities, they had the equipment, everything ready just for the virus, not just a random hospital or random hospitals. They built specific hospitals for the virus to handle it, to take care of it. And now their stats have shown that it is dropping. The, The number of infected people and the number of deaths have dropped drastically. They handled it based on how they felt their people would, you know, not suffer too much. They handled it the best way they knew how. And because it's like China has become the center of the world, whether we like it or not, in terms of goods and services, in terms of manufacturing, every like every other thing that you find in your home or every other thing that we use is made from China. So this is why when this hit them, they knew exactly you know, what to do and how to turn on work mode and just go full blast with everything they've got, considering, you know, their citizens and how they would help their citizens. Now, like I said, it has become a global um, pandemic. And my worst fear came to pass when it got into Africa. Yeah, I was afraid when it got into Africa because I know that we didn't have the kind of infrastructure 
I also know that we don't have the kind of government that, especially in Nigeria, that can handle this kind of thing. That we've been having issues with good leadership in our country, and that has been a problem for us. We've been complaining about a lot of things, especially healthcare. For over how many decades we have been crying and yelling about the healthcare facilities that we have, that it is not even up to standard. I cannot count how many states in Nigeria who do not have good hospitals, good enough hospitals to perform surgery. Most villages that you find have dilapidated places, buildings that I have even been to, places that you will not believe are still functioning and are still called hospitals. You know, it is crazy. And then this pandemic hit Africa, especially Nigeria. Now, Nigeria has embraced the European stay-at-home social distancing thing, which is good. Social distancing is good just so that we don't spread the diseases. But in these countries where they have, you know, created this solution of social distancing and all of that, they also put things in place to take care of their citizens because they know that when you stay at home, you don't gather, you don't go to work, you don't do anything, you will have needs. You will have times where you will need food, you will need supply, you will need grocery, you need toiletries, you need a lot of things to survive. If they're asking everyone to stay home, father, mother, kids, stay home, meaning parents can't go to work and feed their children. Children can't go to school, nothing can be done, just stay home, and everyone's life is at a standstill. Now, here's the thing. When we put things in place like this, which I totally appreciate to save lives, we also have to consider putting these things in place, what happens to the people, especially the people of Nigeria, the people of Africa? What happens to them? Do we have the same things in place that these other countries who are practicing social distancing, do we have the same things in place to take care of the citizens? In America, for instance, let me give you an example. There are some states in America who have a high rate of the corona um, positive patients, patients who have tested positive for the coronavirus. Most of these states are feeding people three times a day. And I am not kidding, I am not lying. If you're following the news in America, they are feeding people three times a day. The government of some states have started deferring rent. They've told land, uh, landlords, house owners, and all of that to defer the rent and not charge anybody until we see what's going on here. And when they say to the landlords, you cannot ask people to pay you rent because people are not working, they are also removing the land use charges and whatever, how, uh, HOA for house owners, for landowners and all of that. They are also deferring that so that it doesn't affect the landlords and all of that. Now, bills as well. They're deferring bills. They're saying you're not supposed to rush to pay your bill here and there because they know that the money is not coming Companies are shut down, people are at home because they know not everyone has a job that you can do sitting at home, stay at home work. No, not everyone. Also, even I can attest to this, I have received countless messages and emails and text messages from my children's schools. And they, you know what they're asking me? They're actually saying that they are ready to give laptops to children for school. They know that these kids are home. They don't want them to be idle at home. They're trying hard not to um, do anything that would disrupt the school calendar. So they are continuing their learning in their classrooms, but from the home. They're they are asking every parent, if you know that your child needs access to a laptop, access to what they will need for school, please let us know. They are offering laptops from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. You can come in as a parent. If you've registered online or through your text, they will give you a laptop for your child. Look at that. 
the internet is steady and available to those who need it. Those who don't have access to internet, they're trying to make sure that they have access to internet. Those who have access to internet already, they're saying you don't have to pay for the internet for now as long as this quarantine period is in effect. Now, for small businesses and people who don't have the money to take care of themselves, they're offering some amount of money to small businesses to survive because they know that this is what people use in, in taking care of themselves and putting food on their table. You know, so they're offering help to people who cannot afford to buy groceries and toiletries. They're offering help to small businesses and all of that so that the small business owners can actually pay some money to those who are actually working from home. Volunteers are sending food to areas where you have a large number of the elderly people. They're sending food, dropping it at their doorstep, ringing the bell and leaving so that you open your door as an elderly person and then you see food. The old people, as we have been told, are the ones that are at risk the most. So they're advising them not to leave their house. Whatever you need, somebody else has to get it for you. So these people are dropping the food at their doorsteps, which is fantastic. Now, government agencies and some private companies, some multinationals, those that have the food chain, they're distributing food at street corners to help families who need it. They want to make sure that no kid goes hungry. So if you have a child and you don't have money and all of that, they make sure that they feed. There's so many more things that they're doing in America. And we receive these messages every day. The government has sent out people to go and sanitize and disinfect public areas like banks, like hospitals, um, like grocery stores, places where they know that even in this time of crisis, people can't avoid those places. You have to go to those places. Every day you see them taking out their long hoses and they sanitize with chemicals, sanitize those places that people still go to just so that you still don't get infected when you go to these places at this time. Now, this is what my problem is. Are the Nigerian government doing enough or anything at all to alleviate the suffering of the people who are being asked to stay at home because I cannot tell you how many people have come to my, my social media, my DMs, sending me account numbers to help them, to send money to them because they're home. We survive based on our hustle back home. You know, if we don't work, we don't eat. We don't have the kind of government that will say, oh, they're giving us money or they're subsidizing this and that or they're helping us to make sure that we receive food at home because we can't work or we're receiving toiletries or supplies. We don't have that kind of government. So what now happens? to the people of Africa? What happens to the people of Nigeria? That's the thing. Children should never, ever go hungry. So, so here are a few things that I'm suggesting. These are just my suggestions. I'm not saying that it will be done. I'm not saying that, oh, it's already been done. Not at all. I'm just saying, I wish that these things were possible. These are ways that we could actually help and support our people in times like this, okay? I'm thinking that government agencies and multinationals should come together and donate food and supplies. And these things should be distributed to the areas where these companies are located. There are so many big companies located in different parts of Nigeria, in different parts of Africa, even in villages, and they have been enjoying the benefits of being in those locations. The least they can do is come together, work with the government of the state, and just use some money. It's not like it's going to make their business fall down totally if they donate something. If everybody does that and donates something, it cuts across. It helps millions of people. Just donate something that will help people get food 
food supply or get toiletries or something that will help families, especially those that cannot afford it. That will really, really go a long way because children should never go hungry. That's the thing. You don't know how painful it is to look at your child and you don't know what to do for food. You don't have work. You don't have every, anything and you don't know what to do. It is crazy. Okay. Um, I also thought that it would be nice to support manufacturing companies to create more masks and gloves. We have a lot of manufacturing companies that have shut down over the years in Nigeria, especially. Even textile designs, you will be shocked that the textile industry could have helped with manufacturing masks and even gloves because they were very powerful and very good, but they didn't get the kind of support that I expected them to get. A lot of them have been shut down, but imagine if they were still in operation or if they were supported to get into operation and, and revive their equipment and everything, they would have been able to create masks and gloves right now. You'll be shocked at how much they can churn out. Um, I also would have suggested to support continuous education and subsidize internet access and data. We're still buying data in Nigeria, so when your data finishes, that's it. It's different here in America. You pay for the month and it's unlimited. I just wish that it could have been done, that the government could have said to all the mobile companies and all the people that provide internet and said, you know what, for this period, make it easily accessible. Don't charge them for the data. We will subsidize your tax. We will subsidize whatever it is that you're paying to the government for running your business here. We will support you, but just make sure that our children have access to the internet. Since they can't go to school, how do we make sure? I know all these things I'm saying. <laughs> People will listen to me and say, oh my God, Stella, wishful thinking. You know that's not possible, but it is possible. Only if the right thinking people in the right places, in the right offices can actually sit down and consider our children and consider the citizens of Nigeria, it will make a difference. You know, how can television stations partner with schools to say, hey, from nine o'clock to two o'clock, we have this channel we can get maybe one teacher at a time to come into the studio, just you sit down, whatever class that you were supposed to give the children on a particular day based on your curriculum, do your class on TV and then ask them to send their questions via whatever, your email or whatever. That's, that's what people should be doing at times like this so that for, for a certain number of hours in a day, some television stations can dedicate those times or those hours to invite one or two teachers to come in and actually deliver lessons or lectures or classes or whatever. However, these classroom things or the, the, the uh, education that the children are getting, however we can make sure that it doesn't stop because what's going to happen is it will disrupt, disrupt heavily the school calendar again. Um, now, the last thing I have to say is that this might sound very, 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 very crazy, but I'm thinking and suggesting that a lot of people who still have their grandparents alive should ask them what kind of herbs they used to drink when they had pneumonia or when they had a bad case of cold. Because for some reason, something at the back of my mind keeps telling me that there might just be a solution to this thing. I mean, something that will boost our immune system to fight this virus so strong, so aggressively, that the virus will not take over our lungs and kill us. There must be herbs. I know for a fact that in Africa, later on, somebody will find this herb that will actually cause something to create this change and fast recovery. I don't know how to put this. I don't know. But I think we should start talking to those in the village. We start going back to the beginning, back to the times where our grandfathers used to just take herbs for everything. They didn't have hospitals that were equipped or anything. They did not go to the hospital. They actually relied on natural resources, natural herbs and plants and everything, and just boiled and drank or mixed with whatever it is. I just feel that there is something in Africa that can help this situation.
Don't ask me what, I don't know, but with everything I've said, I, I'm just thinking, let's think about it. And in our own little way, whatever we can do to help, it will really go a long way. Let's not always wait for the government. I mean, we can say all of these things and proffer solutions to them, but will they listen? But if they don't, whatever you can do in your own little way, your own capacity, it will be nice to do it. All right, guys? Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I hope you'll join me again for the next one. You can contact me via email, excusemyafrican at gmail.com, or visit the website, excusemyafrican.com, for more details. Remember to stay positive and give love. Music